What's up, guys? Welcome back to Beyond the Void for Podcast. That's right. We're back for Thursday's edition of Mike Me Crazy, which is the name of Takashi Mike's last name mixed with Me Crazy, because Me Crazy when we watch these films. <laughs> I think. It feels like, right? Right. No, totally. Uh, we got two films for you guys that we're going to be talking about. Um, one of them is going to be Gozu, which is a Mike film, obviously. <laughs> and one of his other films that we're going to be talking about is a very popular one called Ichi the Killer. Both of these movies are mind-fucking craziness. Right. <laughs> and the really interesting thing about Mike is, is that not one of his movies are the same. Right, Like, they're all really fucking separate and very different from one another. And, yes, they have a lot of influence from a lot of different things, but there's some really cool shit that he's put out. And he's the type of person that just doesn't even want to be called an artist, dude. Like, he, he, he specifically says, I am not an artist, I'm a filmmaker, and I just make movies. Like, that's how humble he is about hmm. this shit. And, yes, he I think he's, like, on his hundredth movie. Really? Or film. Huh. But I just saw a recent article about it here just this month where Mike was celebrating his most recent um, movie that's coming out. He was out celebrating his uh, Blade of the Immortal, which it looks like Ichi almost because he's got scars all over his face. So I'm not exactly sure. It says Manji, a highly skilled samurai, becomes cursed with the immortality after a legendary battle. Haunted by the brutal murder of his sister, Manji knows that only fighting evil will regain his soul. He promises to help a young girl named Rin after her parents were killed by a group of master swordsmen led by the ruthless warrior Anatsu. The mission will change Manji in ways he could never imagine. The hundredth film by master director Takashi Miike. So he's been pushing that shit a lot. And something that you guys probably don't know, and maybe you don't know either too, is that in in Japan, a lot of like going to the theater is like a spectacle. Right. Well, that's why there's a little bit of everything in each movie. You got a little bit of drama, a little bit of comedy, because people don't have money or the time. Well, to it's sit through all these. Well, uh, you go to a theater out there. I think it's like twenty five, thirty five dollars per right, person, right. and people dress up like they're at a red carpet event. Yeah, like it's like a tuxedo type style. Well, that's event. one of the things I really admire about their cinema is that they do try to fit every element of film right. into one movie. Well, it just shows that they have a high respect, right, for film. And uh, you know, say what you will, maybe they're just movies to you guys, but to me, these are like 
doorways into another world. Right. Something that I severely admire about Takashi Miike. If you guys don't know who he is, he is kind of like what they've considered to be the Quentin Tarantino of Japan. But honestly, I almost feel like it's reverse. Oh, yeah. Like, Quentin Tarantino is the Takashi Miike of the U.S. <laughs> like, that's the way it should be said, right. in my opinion. Now... Not everybody likes every single one of his films, but every single one of them has a different tone, a different weird... It's like just completely different tonality to it. This is a guy who was literally trying to be a race car driver when he was young and then somehow fell into film school hmm. and then went to school for it and started making films. But he is the type of person that will push exploitation to the extreme. Wow. Eli Roth, really Quentin Tarantino mm -hmm. are huge fans of this guy. Um, say what you will about Eli Roth, whatever. I kind of admire that his he is influenced by someone like Takashi Miike. And granted, you know Takashi Miike films are not always good. Like he he, I think he does so much, so many different styles that people just kind of like like it or don't. Right. And it will affect somebody in some way. Like I think one of his movies has affected you in some way. Like right. whoever you are. One of the four Takashi Miike films that I've watched, didn't like them all, but there was an aspect of each one that I found intriguing. Which, what are you talking about? Uh, uh, 13 Assassins. I wasn't a big fan of 13 Assassins, but there were scenes in there I was like, oh, that's really fucking cool. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I've even seen the 13 Assassins. No, you should check it out. I've seen so many of his films. I have a lot of them on the thing. In fact, before we did this episode, guys, we were actually going to be watching The Happiness of the Katakuras, which is a kind of like a um, you kind of uh, acquired taste. Yeah. Did you watch it? I want it now because the way you kind of described it, but... It is a musical, which right. you were not too fond of, but... Is it straight up a musical? Because you said you were... It's like, it's not kind of... It's not. It's it got is, music in it, but it's not a musical. It is a musical, technically, but it's like it's like if Takashi Miike was trying to remake The Sound of Music... Right. ...with a murderous family who, like, happenstances falls into a bunch of tragedy and trying to come together over the tragedy. So it's like kind of like mocking it's almost like like these people are letting these awful things happen without reporting it to the police and doing anything moral about it instead they're thinking for themselves that they put all this money into this hotel in the middle of nowhere that they're hoping a highway comes through to basically make it but the highway is no longer going to be coming through anymore and so they're trying to keep every customer that comes through that door in this hotel but there's like singing parts and it's really funny like in my opinion i think it's really funny but we decided that we wanted to do something different this time and we wanted to talk about Gozu and Ichi the Killer. So if you've seen these movies or if you've not, we'll try our best not to spoil anything. But as you know, we do talk about some of our favorite scenes. So there's going to be points where we are going to talk about parts that you might not want to listen to. We'll give a shout out before we talk about try. it. Try, yeah. yeah. I mean, generally, I think people kind of get the gist of what we do here. So let's kick it off with our flesh and potato segment of Making Me Crazy! film that we wanted to talk about we're going to save each of the killer for last only because there's probably a lot more information about it right 
the first movie that we want to talk about is Gozu. Gozu. Yeah. I don't remember hearing that. No? But maybe, I don't know, it came out in 2003, by the way, guys. And the story goes, a Yakuza enforcer is is ordered to secretly drive his beloved colleague to be assassinated. But when the colleague unceremoniously disappears en route, the trip that follows is a twisted, surreal, and horrifying experience. And it really does take you on a mind adventure. Yeah. Obviously, this is directed by Takashi Miike. It was also written by Sakichi Sato, who did the Ichi, he wrote the Ichi the Killer, Meatball Machine, Kodoku. Did you watch me- a Meatball Machine, by the way? I saw the first one. I haven't seen the sequel. Oh. So, And he also did Tokyo Zombie. Some of the cast, now, Takashi Miike picks some really good actors. Like, they do some really strong character work a lot of the time. Some of them are typecast a little bit, but not always. One of them is Sho Aikawa. He plays Ozaki as the crazy brother, pretty much, in this movie. He was in Dead or Alive 1, 2, and The Final. Dead or Alive, A Final, which is a Miike film. He was in Ley Lines, Zebra Man. And part two, Attack on Zebra City, which is also a Miike. Both of them are Miike films. And he was in Tokyo Zombie. Another member is Yuta Stone, who plays Minami. He has been in a lot of films, too. He was in Yakuza Demon or Kochiki, I think it's called. I, I might be saying that wrong. Tales of Terror Haunted Apartment, which is the sequel to the Tales of Terror from Tokyo and all over Japan. It had like a Christmas episode or like segment. It's like an anthology. Right. Um, that one was really cool. The Santa one. It was fucking sick. Graveyard of Honor. It's a really early Yakuza film that he did. He also is in Zebra Man. There's also Shoei Hino, who plays Nosichi, Nosechi, or Nose for short. Nothing super recognizable, but the guy has a lot of accolades in some of the work that he has done, but nothing that I have seen. Right. Um, he was the guy that had the half-painted face in the movie. Okay. Well, yeah. well... It was a skin condition, technically. Right. Also, there's Kamika Yoshino. She plays the female Ozaki. She was in Sky High. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, that's the one with a. It's kind of like a Blade Runner version of like like a like a Japanese Blade Runner or some shit. They called it almost. Okay. No, I thought you were talking about something completely different. I was like, he was in that fucking shitty movie. Not the comedy kid movie. No, the, where there were superheroes in high school. No, was no, no, it no. what's his face in that too? I don't know who was in that. The Snake I Bliskin? I can't remember. But anyways, yeah, go ahead. Uh, he was. She was also in Echo Echo Azarak, Wizard of Darkness, and the part two of that. Then, one of the guys, it's not a big part in this movie, but he plays the boss, like the big boss in the very beginning. Uh, his name is Renji Ishibashi, and he's been in Audition, The Bird People of China, which is like kind of a heartfelt movie. Uh, Dead or Alive as well, which are both all Miike films. Right. He was in Tetsuo, The Iron Man. Oh, man, that movie's fucked. (laughs) Yeah. He was also in Ryui Kitamura's Alive, The Great Yokai War, which is another Miike film. Common Rider Decade, the movie, All Riders vs. Die Shocker, and a horror movie called Torso. Hmm. Just to give you guys an idea of just like, the breadth of talent that Mike brings to this are people that are heavily steeped into the Japanese film world. These are some pretty big name actors for Japan. What did you think of this of Gozu though? First off, let's let's hear what you think. When I first watched it, I was like, <laughs> I didn't know what I was in for because it, it kind of starts off at a 
weird pace. Weird right? pace. About thirty minutes into it, I started realizing I'm I'm watching a David Lynch film. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think that's what really captured me. It was just so odd, and it was like almost like that movie with Johnny Depp, The Ninth Gate, mm-hmm. but with a little bit more substance. Oh, way more substance, dude. I. I uh, yeah, Ninth Gate. Fuck that. Yeah, every, you mentioned that name, and anybody who saw that movie is gonna be like, "Fuck you." I, I watch it every now and then, just out of mistake. <laughs> We've talked about that. I remember when we were talking about doing from hell, and you're like, "That movie sucks," and you thought we were talking about right. the Ninth Gate, and it was, was better like, than that. Yeah. Oh, it's way better than that. But uh, yeah, it was a great ride. I almost like it better than Itchy in that sense, just because it did remind me of a David Lynch film, and it was so odd. Right. And the and some of the sound effects that he used were really cool. Well, this um, is kind of like a thriller in a way. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a mystery. Like you said, it is David Lynchian. It's kind of all over the place. Like, you really don't know what's going on. It's kind of a mystery. There's a lot of really odd. It's like basically soaked with oddity after oddity. There's lots of David Lynchian style vibes in this movie. It's it's really unique, though. It's got like a blend of like a Yakuza film with a sort of thriller thing going for it. Lots of weird, aha, right. or what the f- fuck moments that are thrown in this very much very very much like david lynch yeah uh and any of his like earlier works at least oh yeah yeah like a lot of people feel and i've said this before like there is some people that are out there that do not like david lynch because they're like there is no point in what he's doing there is no deeper meaning he's just throwing weird shit in to be weird and that is kind of short-sighted in my opinion i agree like i don't think that you necessarily have to have a deeper meaning for everything that you do in a film. Even Eli Roth has said that there's like this such a thing about film in America where people just feel like, you know, there has to be this meaning and stuff right. and, and their precious film, you know. It's like art. It's like however you perceive it. Right. You well, know and, what I mean? And sometimes some of those weird moments put you into some sort of like vibe. Right. You're just not knowing what to expect. And it's like going on a roller coaster blind. You just don't know what the fuck is gonna happen which i like like exactly, take yeah. me places i've never been take me somewhere that i don't know what i'm gonna ha- have next happen to me and make me feel uncomfortable right i'm totally cool with that sometimes it's kind of funny and then other times it's kind of just disturbing and like completely visually fucked right <laughs> like i don't know how to explain this movie any better than that and it's like i don't want to ruin the fucking movie for anybody right off the bat so i don't want to jump into like our favorite scenes that's usually why i keep Keep it for last. Right. That's why I always, you know. Try to give them a taste of what we Yeah, exactly. So then if they do want to see this film just based on how we're talking about it, they can just jump into the motherfucker. Right. If you're in for a kind of a ride for this movie where you're going to see stuff that you've never seen before. Oh, yeah. This is the kind of movie that you'll want to see. If you're somebody that is very organized, maybe left-brained and just can't fathom why certain things are in there, this might not be that. This is not for you. Yeah, it's like it might be a little too ADD yeah. in some respects for you. It's almost like he has like 15 different little mini movies that are all connected together inside like little shorts. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 really weird because it's like one minute you're like taking a left down a corridor of zo- like I don't want to say zombies, but just a left down a corridor and there's some crazy shit that happens. And then you take a right, and it's a completely different thing that's happening. But they all tie together. So the beginning of this movie kind of kicks off with, uh, if you're squeamish about animals... <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I... It's probably not your favorite thing. I, I started the movie off with Christina. 
Yeah. And she was like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. I'm fucking done. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Like, she was pissed. Because it's like, not like John Wick. They, like, actually show the guy, like, just fucking. Eviscerating. Yeah, and for no reason. It doesn't make any sense. Until later. No, it doesn't even make sense then. Why did, he thought it was a killer dog. Right, well, you kind of get the sense that he's losing his mind. Right. Well, he's disassociating himself with, like, something. I don't know. Right. Like, I still don't even really know what this movie's entirely about. Either do I. <laughs> but, I mean, that says something. But it's a great ride, so right, it's like, it whatever. Is. Like, throw your random weird shit at me, Mike. <laughs> but there is a dog scene in the very beginning that really pissed her off. Uh, and it's just, like, right off the bat. I'm sure if Kelly saw this, she'd be like, what the fuck are you watching? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I always think about that when I make you watch these films. Kelly, oh, yeah, Kelly always it's like, what like, the fuck you is haven't wrong? seen him, Kelly is definitely not seen right. him. You know what I mean? Yeah, she said the same thing. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with Alex? It's <laughs> like, I didn't think I need to talk to Christina. I think something's serious. There's nothing wrong, wrong man. <laughs> it's just like Mike says, dude. This isn't real. Right. He is one of the most kind, warm, welcoming people that you will ever meet. It's film. It's art. I could draw a picture of some crazy shit. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's some sort of Freudian issue here it just means that i want to see something that i've never seen and i'm doing it within the safety of my imagination right without you know i don't feel compelled to go out and watch somebody in a car accident like in fact like a lot of times when i see something tragic or gory i don't want to watch it like i you know like you sent me that fucked up fucking video oh my god that warble fucking sent to you about fucking some dude cutting the tip of his dick off and i was like pissed at you like what the fuck patrick that was the fucked up shit (laughs) i was like so bad it's like i watch shit like that like i've done some pretty fucked up things like and I i don't really care who's listening like, I'm going to be me, whoever I am. But I used to do a fucking bunch of mushrooms, acid, things like that back in the day. And I think one of the craziest times was watching Traces of Death 3 while listening to Acid Bath when the kite string pops in the background on shit tons of mushrooms. Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> and holy fuck, man. Like, I was, like, laughing because I was freaked out. Do you know what I mean? Right. That uncomfortable laughter. Right. (laughs) And man, dude, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. At one point while we were doing this, by the way, I zoned out so hard that I didn't know if my eyes were open or closed anymore. Oh, man. Like, that's a really weird feeling. Right. (laughs) Like you're in a dream state, but you're still awake. I started seeing all these patterns, like in the sky, like or wherever I was looking, like fractals and weird, like symbols and shit right and then all of a sudden i didn't know if i was like my eyes were open or closed i was just so fucked up (laughs) like i was like jesus christ anyway so there's a little bit of dirt about me huh there you go this is a trippy ass fucking movie no for sure there's so many different emotions that go through your mind in this movie yeah you're definitely on ease on some of these it's just very eerie very foreign very well, the cool thing is, is that this was shot on such a low budget, like, it was super, super low budget. Really? I think it really only made, like, I think it was like $30,000 Wow! in the U.S. I wonder how much the production cost was. I don't, I'm sure that it's made a lot more money via DVD or whatever. Right. But it's still one of the, Gozu is not one of the more popular BK films, but I think it's worth adding to the collection if you're a Mike fan. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. I think I'll probably pick it up just because it was so interesting. I've never seen a movie like, like 
exactly like that, but yeah. it did give me elements of other movies. There it is right there. The red one right next to... Oh, look at that. They don't even have it on Blu-ray yet. No? Mm-mm. And it's a pretty shitty quality for DVD, even. Really? But they do straight-to-video a lot of times out there. Yeah. Especially some of his films. I'm sure they show it in the theater, but... Probably like a limited run. <clears throat> Gozu was originally planned for release on DVD, but it's uh, positive reception at the, the Cannes, Cannes Film Festival. And May 2003 secured theatrical releases overseas. So they actually were able to get this into theaters. So In the States? Yeah. Wow. So, like I said, it only made $30,000, $40,000. Right. But, you know, how far down the rabbit hole do most film viewers go? Right, right. You know? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what if I would have thought about that, especially when it comes to, like, non-English spoken movies. Like, Americans are pretty fucking nose up about that shit. Right. I don't mind it. I don't mind reading subtitles. The only thing I don't like about subtitles is that sometimes you got to itch your eye. You got to do something where you're not looking at the screen. Right. So you miss something. You're like, fuck, I'm going to rewind it. Well, if you can, if you're in the theater. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the theater, ain't shit you can do about it. You remember the scene in the movie where there's, like, this uh, American girl... She oh was, like, yeah, this tall blonde with like. Are you getting into the factoids now? Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, there's only two, right? Yeah. That I know. Of. That's I why mean, I thought you. were... Yeah, I ahead. watched some of the making of and stuff, and like how they did stuff in the thing, and then there was some cool stuff, but it wasn't really anything too notable. Yeah, it was more too like juicy. it was just like, hey, this is what we're doing. Nothing right. like real descriptive or explaining anything. So I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> um. Apparently, the, the chick that was uh, the blonde, she was in a, the owner, the store owner's American wife. Uh, she actually knew absolutely no Japanese. You remember the part where she looks, he looks up and sees that she's reading from a card? Right. On the wall? Uh-huh. He thought it'd be funny to just add that part as like a comic relief in a way. So he found it interesting and put the, he showed them displaying the cards for like a sort of eerie, comedic... It was super eerie. You're like, what the it's fuck? It's like, why is, going? is she fucking reading from cards like that? Right. And he he made it work. It yeah, definitely. Because he thought that there was no way that he could cover his ass by making her speak really awful Japanese. It was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't speak Japanese, so I can't say. You could tell by the way she was pronouncing stuff. She was like kind of tripping over shit. Right. <laughs> it but was pretty bad. Yeah. It was pretty bad, but it was uh, entertaining nonetheless. Yeah. Do you have some favorite parts in the movie that you liked? Or doesn't necessarily have to be gore scenes. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, go figure. Probably one of my favorite scenes, even though it is involved in animal death, is the opening scene. Just right. because it's so fucking out there. And not he just like I said, he eviscerates his dog. He his boss comes in to you know, talk to him about what the business is going on, if there's anything to report. He's like, Did you see the dog out front? It was a Yakuza trained killer dog. Right. He's like, that dog? And it's like a little poodle. No, it's like a Pomeranian or fucking... Uh, no, it's like a Chihuahua. Is it a Chihuahua? It's like some sort of Chihuahua mix. And it, Yeah, so he says it's like a Yakuza attack dog who's trained to kill just Yakuza. He's like, I'll take care of it for you, sir. And he goes outside and he straight up just punts it into the ground. Yeah. And then picks it up and does it again. Slams it into the window. And Yeah, and then he swings it by its fucking leash, and then slams it into the window. I just thought it was ridiculous how far he went with it. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, dude. Right. And it looks real. It does. Like, they did a... they. It's almost like they designed the dog based off the, the real dog and, like, made it look, like, super real. Like, filled it with some blood and guts and shit. I don't... No, I didn't see any 
blood, really. No, I there mean, was no. I mean, there was a little at the end where it dripped down the window. It's just more brutality than right. anything. Yeah, I don't know, but that part was like got my attention. Oh yeah, right off the bat, that, you're that's like, the what? smoking gun in the room. Like right. you're like, whoa, what the fuck? What about you? What was one of your favorite scenes? Uh, mine's not. It's it's super weird. There's like a part where Nosechi or Nosichi and um, Minami are having a conversation in that fucking restaurant, or no, in the innkeeper at the inn, inn okay, at the hotel that they're that uh, Minami is staying at. And he's talking to Noseche, who is the guy with the f- the half white face. Right. And he's like, "It's really weird. I saw someone in the shop that's been dead for like three months. He got in a car accident just three months ago, or something like that. So it's really weird that he's he's there. And then all of a sudden, they hear this little fart noise, and then they look over, and you hear like the door. Creaking. Yeah, and the door creaks open. And there's a guy squatting on the floor, obviously, to take a shit because they don't have toilets in some of the places, I guess. And uh, no, that's the way their toilets are; they all squat. Yeah, no, no, yeah, and that's why people like perch on toilets here right. that are used to being in that you know environment or whatever. But anyway, the door opens up, and then he's like, ah! Ah! and then he stops, and he's like, and he poops out a little turd, and then they like both cover their nose. They're like. Ugh! <laughs> That shit was so random it, it and so, great. and they're talking about that guy. So right. it's like really weird that he's even there, and then they don't even like address it. Like they don't even address that there was a guy taking a shit who's been dead for three months <laughs> in the toilet. It goes on to the next scene. <laughs> oh man, my next favorite scene, and spoiler, spoiler, because it's the end of the movie, right? So everybody just uh, not listening right now. I'm sure it's Alex's favorite scene too because it is the. Yeah, what would you say the crescendo or? Yeah, it's the crescendo, I guess. It's but it's just like what the, the fuck? fuck? And right. maybe you should preface this. Maybe we should preface why this is happening. So, for those of you who haven't seen this movie and are worried about spoilers, I would definately turn your head off right now for the next two three minutes. Right. Uh, essentially, what the preface this this ending? He's been looking for his brother, his yakuza brother, who died on the way to this meeting or whatever. Right. And then- he lost him somehow. He can't find him all of a sudden, and he's been looking everywhere for him, and this girl proclaims that she is his brother, and then recants some of the conversations that they had in private about certain things previously. And so then he's hesitant at first, but then he totally, like, 100% believes her. And it's his brother, technically, in a girl's body. It's weird because he goes to this factory where, or he goes to this wreck shop, Right. Where they crush cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have all these body skins, like where people can wear all these skins as different people. And he's, okay, what the fuck? Then the girl wants to go to the, the boss to fuck him and, like, woo him into something. And she's, like, laying down on the ground, or his brother Ozaki is right. laying on the ground. He breaks in, and then they kill the boss. And because he falls back on a spoon that's wedged up his asshole because it gets him off. Yeah, it's the only way they can get erect and have a and have an orgasm. Which he falls on the spoon, it spears him inside and then I think he he comes. Yeah, he comes all over the place. It's fucking nasty. It's, it's like a Yeah, it was pretty disgusting. It looked like fucking Ugh. That effect, though, like, it's too much, man. Like you said, it was real, right? You said he was using. Well, in the Ichi the Killer, when they do it again, it is real cum. Is supposedly, it? well, the Takashi Miike said it is. I oh, don't know wow. if that's true or not. That wasn't the scene I'm talking about, but you are leading up 
Right. Kind of like but the reason why I'm explaining this right. is because it makes no sense to somebody who hasn't seen this film. Right. So then after they kill this boss, they go back to his place, and then she's like trying... She had hit on him before. He, She being Ozaki, his brother, who he's been trying to find this whole time. And part of him is like totally attracted to this body, right? even though it's his brother. So he's like, no way, I can't do this. But then he's like, I want to do this. <laughs> and so then he tries, starts to have sex with her. And then you can explain from there. Right. So he doesn't want to go all the way in at first. And then Just eventually, the tip. This is the tip, right. And then eventually he does. He goes all the way in and then start going slow and he tries to pull out, but he's stuck. Yeah. It's almost like it reminds me of like when the, the like a wolf has sex and they can't pull their dick out. I didn't know this. Yeah, when they have sex, they can't pull their dick out right away. It like swells up so it can't come out. Oh, really? And it's like barbed dick. Wow. So it just hooks in there till it comes <laughs> to ensure the the race of wolves will live on, you know. Oh, shit. But uh he can't get his dick out. So he's struggling to the point where he's actually pulling her around the room. Yeah. From his And she's almost orgasming while she's doing it. Too. Right. And eventually he he gets to the room and he kind of pushes her away and all of a sudden he looks down there's a fucking arm holding on to his dick. Right. So he punches the fucking arm and lets go and cowers in the corner. Cowers in the corner. And she's still laying on the floor by the way, guys. Yeah. And after that, arm goes back in, head starts to come out. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden you start seeing it's his brother climbing out of this woman's vagina. And right. the way they shot this, it looked fucking almost real. It was weird. And she's moaning the whole time in, like, part pain, part ecstasy. Right. It's weird. Kind of odd. It was just a crazy scene. And once he comes out, like, she looks like a dry husk. Yeah, she looks old. And then they say, oh, well, we put her in water, and she was okay after that. And then it seemed like at the end of the movie... They were all hanging out, just having all, a good time. Right. It was weird. Super weird. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make any goddamn sense. No. But essentially, so he was like in this husk of another person, and then that person became its own person, or his brother split into two. Really weird. Weird. So maybe he was going crazy because he had two personalities that he couldn't get out, and maybe this is like some sort of transgender sort of like meaning. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Like, I I don't understand. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but... It's a good ride. Dude, the whole scene where he's coming out, is it's like... 10 minutes long? Maybe less, but yeah, it's it's pretty... It's pretty long, long dude. Yeah. It's a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. Yeah, that was a weird fucking scene, dude. Right. <laughs> the only other scene that I can think of that really kind of... I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit in this movie, okay? A lot of weird, odd dialogue, interactions, and stuff like that. Everybody always says, oh, you're not around... You're not from around here, are you? As, right. if, as if you don't know what un, like what normal is to us. And um, there's a scene where the innkeeper, she's like, everybody's drinking milk in this. And I don't know if you guys know this or not. Like, milk's not a big thing there because they don't like... They don't have cows, They don't do cows over there, really. I mean, maybe they do now. I don't know. Mostly they import their milk and shit from different things. And maybe they have different types of milk or whatever. They get it. But everybody's drinking milk. And then you find out that the milk, spoiler alert, is from the innkeeper lady who has this perfect rack... (laughs) <laughs> and she's like squirting milk into a into like hundreds of bottles and she's while she's doing it she's like mm, <laughs> mm, mm, 
constant just like squirting. And at one point, she just squirts him in the face after that with her tit. Right. And it's so <laughs> like like it was so odd and fucking weird. And I was like, Jesus. It was pretty bad. It goes pretty far. This movie goes pretty fucking far, man. Yeah. Like it, it's like it, it almost turns you on in a way at the end. <laughs> and then it's like, ooh, I shouldn't be feeling turned on in some respect. But uh yeah, I don't know how to explain it, man. Like it was, it's definitely it a pushes ride. the boundaries, man. Yeah, a it lot. really does. Like having sex with your own brother who's in a body of a woman is that okay? <laughs> It's like dangerous territory. You know what I mean? It's like it's almost like they like were chained by their own animal instincts, right? And like acceptance of everything, and I don't know. It's really weird, but I think Gozu is a really good movie. It's got some really fucking crazy shit in it, man. Yeah. If you want to go on a wild ride, David Lynch style with like way more perverse shit. That's almost like Cronenberg in some ways. Oh yeah. Uh, I would definitely recommend this uh, for for that alone. I mean, there is some weird dialogue. Do you have anything to say, add to it? I just I, same thing as you. It's like if you guys really enjoy that kind of style, it's really a movie you need to see. Yeah, I know a lot of people aren't into the Asian cinema, but I think it's a it's a highly overlooked subgenre. I totally um, agree that a lot of people should give more credit to. Oh yeah, than it, than it gets sometimes. And we went through like a uh, huge boom of that for a while. Like Asian cinema, like even just like kung fu movies and like action flicks and stuff. I think I remember the first Asian movie, like hardcore, like actual box office, you know, Japanese, Asian, whatever film was something that you showed me, which was Kasern. Oh, Kasern, yeah. Was that really one of your first entries? Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm glad I showed you. And that movie is like, if you guys haven't seen Kasern, it is fucking amazing. It's like three hours long. It's really long. It's a really long movie. But it's like three different movies in one movie. It, yeah. It's like, it's so all over the place, but it's like kind of beautiful in the same way. But I think that's pretty much it that we need to talk about this. Right. Part of the reason we did that horror shot on Monday, guys, if you got to check that out, but definitely check that out if you haven't. But we did the, the Mike Milk episode with Brittany. Super fun. Really uh, I kept fun. calling it Titty Milk just to be uncomfortable, <laughs> but she's so cool. Like, she's so cool. Uh, the next movie, though, that we want to talk about in Mike Me Crazy is none other than Ichi the Killer, which came out two years before Gozu. Now, something about Mike that I also didn't mention is a lot of times Mike will make like three films a year. Really? Yeah. So, and like he can make magic with like nothing. So he's like a little Roger Corman then. Eh? Yeah, kind of in a way. Yeah. But wow. he's pushing cinema in, in directions that. A lot of places don't, you know? Right. So Ichi the Killer came out between 2001 and 2003 because I think it got held back, went to a lot of film festivals for a while, and then came out like big time in twenty in 2003. So it was almost the same time that Gozu came out. Right. In other countries, I guess. But yeah, it was between 2001 and 2003. It tried to like clarify that. IMDb says one thing and... I know that the movie came out in 2003 as well when I did my research. So it's like kind of confusing as to when it came out. Maybe it came out in Japan in 2001 and then it got big and came out here. Right. So the story, as sadomasochistic Yakuza enforcer Kakihara searches for his missing boss, he comes across Ichi, a repressed and psychotic killer who may be able to inflict levels of pain that Kakihara has only dreamed of. Aww. <laughs> Sounds like a love story. 
But this is actually based off the manga series called uh, by Hideo Yamamoto, who did Ichi the Killer. And okay. actually, Kakihara in the manga had black hair, not blonde hair. But it was just something that he wanted to do. And in fact, in the story, you see Kakihara get beat a bunch of times, and he enjoys it because the pain actually makes him stronger in the, in the manga. Oh, really? So he kind of can take the pain, and it makes him a more powerful being. But Takashi Miike kind of changed that a little bit and made it more, just a little different. Right. More like... Uh... More realistic, I guess, in a way, but not. I was trying to think of the word. It's just escaping me for some reason. But uh, pain masochist. Was his, yeah, well, pain was his power. Right. That was his power. So he, like, sucked it up like a Super Saiyan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> again, it was directed by Takashi Miike. Um, some of the writers were Sakichi Sato and Hideo Yamamoto, who did the manga, of course. But uh, as we talked about before, Four, uh, the same writer, Sakichi Sato, did Ichi the Killer, Meatball Machine, Kodoku, and Tokyo Zombie. There's a lot of different actors in this one as well, and I think this is probably one of the stronger casts, but I'm only going to mention a few because they've done so much. <laughs> um, the main star is Kakihara, who plays the Super Saiyan pain guy. Uh, his name is Taranabu Asano. In some of the movies that he did, he's in actually in both of the... Th- all three Thor movies. Oh, is he? The one that's coming out, and he's also in the first Thor movie is Hogan. Huh. As well as the upcoming Ragnarok movie that's coming out as well. But he played in he's in all the Thor mythos. Wow. As Hogan. He did Lupin the Third. He was also in the game. Remember I've mentioned Shadows of the Damned by Suda fifty one? Yeah. He was the voice of the main character in that. Really? Yep. Uh he was in another really kind of whack crazy fucking out there fucking movie called survivor style five plus which is actually pretty good it's pretty out there though and the big budget battleship failure was he in that movie he was in that movie yeah people told me it was that was like it, i got so bad reviews i didn't even watched it i was like oh no. i mean it's worth a watch it, it, it's it, yeah, yeah yeah it's not what you would think i mean but how are you supposed to make a battleship movie right Come on. Like, well, why would you even want to try? I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they were making a Monopoly movie, a Life movie, a fucking, uh, what was it, Candyland movie they're coming out with, and all kinds of different board game movies. Hmm. So, who knows? Weird. It also stars Nao Amori, who plays Ichi, the killer, as he was in a, another Mikkei film called As the God's Will, which is super cool, by the way. If you guys haven't seen that, it's about a classroom of people. They're in a room. And there's this weird head that's just talking to people. I remember watching the trailer for this, and I totally forgot the name of the movie. Yeah, As the Gods Will. It's kind of weird. Like, it ends kind of weird, in my opinion, but it's a super cool, weird flick to watch. But essentially what happens is is that people have to answer these questions. If they answer them wrong, they kill everybody. And so whoever survives gets taken onto another layer where they have to do these, like, weird things. Like, they have to fight one of those... You know those, like, clocks with the arm? Or no, the, the kitty clock, The waving arm yeah, kitty yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever? It's not a clock, but it's the one where they... It's like a charm. Right. It's, like, got its arm and it waves and stuff. They have to battle a huge one and play basketball against it. <laughs> it's, like, eating people and shit. <laughs> Fucking cool as shit, though. And there's, like, this really crazy story on it. So if you get a chance to watch that... Definitely I'm watch gonna watch that, that because I, that's I was... a Mike film too, though. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, he also was in both the Parasite movies. This is now Amori, by the way. Uh, a movie called Demon Lover, which had uh, Chloe Sevigny in it, who is from 
anti-birth. Oh. He's the best friend. She was the best friend that okay. dicked her over. Right. Uh, and another movie called Museum, which I haven't seen, but it looks kind of cool. It's kind of a horror movie. Uh, also, it stars Shinya Tsukamoto, who plays Gigi. He's uh, actually a director and an actor. Mostly, he's a big-time director, dude. In fact, he has done the movie Tokyo Fist, which Sin Fury has told me about, and I watched... I didn't. I actually had never seen it. It's pretty good. Tetsuo Iron Man one, two, and Bullet Man the third one. I think uh, he directed those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so think... you remember the, the the goofy looking guy that takes off his jacket and he's like strong man. Oh yeah, that's him. He I... did those movies. Right. I think it was the second or the third one. I'm just saying this because I'm a huge Iron Man fan. They mm-hmm. did. It. He did the score for it, and it was amazing. I think it might have been the second one. Yeah. The Iron Man. Um, I never saw Bullet Man though. No. I don't think I did. He also did Haruko the Goblin, Nightmare Detective 1 and 2, Maze. He also acted in Shin Godzilla with a new Godzilla movie that came out not too long ago here. That How I was s- that? I haven't seen it yet, and I want to watch it because I saw two reviews of it up recently on Horomino, and I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I'm going to fucking jump on I'm going to watch it, so I, I definitely want to watch it. Maribito he acted in, Dead or Alive. Two, which is another Mike film. Sequoia, The Slayer of Demons, which is amazing movie directed by Tamao Haraguchi. Really cool movie. You would love this movie, Patrick. Really? Yes. Like, I've been wanting to try to sneak it in to something we're doing. It's very much uh, the Yokai War style that Mike also did. A, he did a Yokai War movie, but it's about like um, demons that come out of this mountain. It's like an old legend where demons spill out of this mountain because of something they did wrong, the people. Huh. And there's, like, good or bad demons. Like, some of them are good, some of them are bad. They're not all just demons, but they're just considered demons because they come from this place. Right. And at one point in time, the main person, protagonist, is actually, turns, the whole mountain turns into her. And it's really cool. It's very beautiful. It's it's kind of an old film, too, but it's, I think it was like 1991, 1989 or something like that. But if you guys get a chance, check that out if you can find it. It's kind of a hard find, but it's a really good movie, and we should watch it. What did you think, though, about Ichi the Killer, though? I mean, as far as bringing it back here, I know I went down the rabbit hole a little bit. But. <laughs> I liked it. I mean, it was very sadistic <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> very very sadistic uh, uh disturbing disturbing yes graphic graphic very graphic uh, uh unyielding unyielding yes yeah. uh and the characters are really strong characters and it seems like he has a like a good eye for that right uh, or good direction with his actors because there was one character i was like i don't like that guy even though like the one-off characters i thought they were did a good which job. one are you talking about as far as one-off characters that you didn't like uh, there was no characters i didn't like oh i thought you were saying there was one guy no 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 i mean i'm, seeing, I'm just saying like even like the small time characters i thought they did a pretty okay. decent job all around it was great film um great special effects oh yeah good music man it was just a ride say what the fuck it was like that weird like i don't know what that showgun like yeah like showdown kind of fucking music it was like a flute like something with that shit but what did you think of the movie oh fucking it's a 
classic, man. If it, you're into fucking any Takashi Miike films, this is probably the easiest entry point that you could bring yourself right. to. It is probably the most well-renowned Miike film that most people know what it is because it's just so fucking out there. And you know what? It's been one of those movies that, I'd like, when there was movie stores, it was one of those movies that I always just kind of, like, looked at, but I never picked up and, like, watched, you know right. what I mean? Until now. And I'm like, why the fuck did I do this to myself? Like, I could have been enjoying this year after year after year. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you hadn't seen it yet. And I had that years ago. Right. Around the time that I was showing you shit like Cassern and like Cassern and all these other things. man. Right. Like, it's weird because like, and guys, if you who are listening right now are into Asian films, I'm kind of a big buff of it, at least during the 90s. Like, I had a lot of movies that I watched during the 90s. And then I sprinkled in through the 2000s and then 2010 and so on. Like, I still kind of admire them because they are so different than what you're used to seeing. It's almost like the 80s revival. Right. In a way, a lot of these films kind of have the spirit of the 80s because they just do some, like, crazy batshit stuff. Right. But I I think it's a really good film. Uh, This movie in particular really pushed the boundaries with taste. You could obviously, in today's social justice warrior kind of world that we live in, some of it is totally valid and and has a point and I have no issue with you know sticking up for what's right but at some point you have to divide the line between art and what is right right like, it's okay to express these types of fucking exploitative things in my opinion even though they may be very offensive to some people and they may be upset about these things it's not real Right. Okay. It's just a movie. It doesn't cause people to go out and do these types of fucking things, but these are real things that happen in real life, and he shines a light on them instead of turns away. And like I said, I've said before, Takashi Miike will say it every time, and this is a, a humanitarian type person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who is saying that these are not real movies. It's not real. He's like, but he is making a shining a light on it because it's fucking perverse and it's fucked up and it doesesn't glorify it I don't think necessarily no. it, it just shows you like hey this is what happens and then he's twisted into his tail you know <laughs> I don't know like I'm very open to movies being offensive like yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it there is many books that have been written that people love I... and adore that have written some crazy shit that people are like what the fuck even Stephen King who is hailed one of the biggest American writers has some really fucking disturbing shit that he puts in his his books I think I do draw the line at baby like anything with babies or pregnant women like and that's maybe fine. not so much pregnant women but, but when you when you hurt a baby I'm the, I, I can't I can't but it's not a real baby that's right I understand that but that's for some thing. reason it, it it's it's you, really fucked up. For I think me. the problem doesn't lie within the film being uh, exploitative in that sense. It's it's really within the the viewer who can't disconnect between reality and what's not real. Right. Like it is not here to necessarily glorify. It's not a movie about yeah, it's okay to beat women. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's a movie that that there is a world that he's painted that where some of these people actually enjoy pain and, and sadomasochism right. and pain and, you know, just like being addicted to 
something that you maybe were in, introduced in a young age, you know, it's all about fucking with people's minds and how people who, who are the victim actually sometimes prefer it. I'm not saying that that's a true statement by any means, but in this world, that's what that is. So I think you need to have a disconnect when it comes to this particular movie, because there is some like pretty seriously heavy tones Oh, yeah. of spousal abuse in this movie. Oh yeah. And sadomasochism and if you don't have that disconnect, you're going to be very upset about this movie. But none of it and all the actors were on board for this because they know the difference between real and not. Right. It's is, not that I don't know the difference between real and that, but it's just like I don't want to see something like that. No. Well I, not not necessarily like that, but it's I mean, fine. It, and, and and it should offend most people. But I think those who are willing to go in for the ride a little bit, they'll find something a little bit more than that. Yeah. Than what it seems on the surface. You know what I mean? This is just a a depraved world. It's about Yakuza. They literally do not shoot anybody in the film. Like, there's two shots fired in the entire movie, and nobody dies by them. Is it Yakuza or or Yakuza? Yakuza, Yakuza. Is it the same? I believe it's Yakuza. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I believe. I don't know. Now you got me questioning myself. (laughs) I'm good at doing that. (laughs) There's a lot of really unyielding moments in this movie, and it will cause unease and disgust in a lot of the people. Right, and I think the opening scene pretty much sets up the feel of the movie. Oh, yeah, the title credit. Right. The title credit is fucked up. Uh, Oh, man. The whole lead up is a guy beating the shit out of his fucking, what is she? She's a hooker, I believe. She's like a hooker, call girl or whatever. She like works at a place where they like give blowjobs and he just beats the ever living piss out of her. And she's objecting to him beating him. And then you see Ichi jerking off in a plant and then the cum drips off the plant onto the ground. And then the title of the movie comes up out of the semen. (laughs) Which Takashi Miike said was real semen. Oh, man. So I'm like, immediately, in my mind, I'm like picturing, like, he's like, all right, guys, fill this cup up. And they're like passing around a bucket, you know? Because oh. <laughs> it was really kind of real. Like, yeah, kinda, it looked real, dude. Kind of consistent. It, it had that splatter effect. Yeah, it looked really, it's all dripping off the leaf of the plant. Into the ground. But it did look cool when the, the title, like, riz out of it. Right. Like, it Nobody's like, done shit like that. Right. Even cool. Eli Roth was like, dude, holy fuck, dude. <laughs> like, that's one of the craziest fucking titles that to come up out of something like that. Uh, right. Ever. Like, it's it just is like, hey, guys, you're either in for the ride or you're not. Mike out. This is your warning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't like this, get the fuck out. Go watch another movie. Disney's got plenty of titles that you could pick right. up. <laughs> <laughs> He pushes the boundaries a lot, and he doesn't give a fuck. And I admire that uh, extremely. I kind of do, too, yeah. I don't think that he is a uh, women should be beat uh, or this is okay for that kind of thing. I don't think it's He's anything like that. He's definitely not a misogynist. Or, no, no, he is painting characters uh, that in this world, this is the kind of thing. And a lot of those women get back at the people. A lot of the people like die who do these like crazy atrocities and shit like that. It always seems like revenge is a big thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Ugh, I, I don't know what else to say, man. It's a really cool movie. It's though. not a faint. It's not for the faint of heart. No. Um, there is some comedy in it, though. Oh, yeah. There's like, a there's a lot of really twisted, dark humor in this movie, dude. <laughs> like, that you, like, question yourself while you're laughing at. And I don't know. I mean, not necessarily. I don't know. Maybe I'm just depraved. Right. <laughs> 
I don't know what to think. You might be a little fucked, but it's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with watching it. I don't want to see it happen. I don't support anybody doing stuff like that. Right, right. I don't right. see anything wrong with like a fake representation of something like that, unless it's like like outright glorifying pedophilia or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to disturb you a little bit, and it does. It's supposed to shake your foundation and make you question reality. As does death. As does seeing a tragic event happen. It makes you question reality and. and to be able to have like micro bursts of that in a movie yeah. is kind of like it's it's like synthetically experiencing a sort of rock bottom of death in a way or depravity. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that from a standpoint, a viewpoint. Like if I saw somebody like getting fucking like beaten or murdered or raped or anything like that, I'd be the first to fucking try to automatically without even reaction, I would do something. Right. You know what I mean? Even if it caused my death. But to see it in a movie and, and paint it, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a very gladiatorial sort of way about it. And yes, there are some movies that I'm like, I turn away. Right. This it isn't is. one of those. It's, right. It has a different tone to it. Uh, yeah, it definitely does. And it's evenly paced as well. There's no slow parts in this movie. Right. It's just, it's a gradual ride that just gets more intense as it goes. Well, a perfect example of, remember, like, in the beginning where the guy's beating the girl, and then he sees right. her, and then he jumps out? They come back to that couple again, and she had told him previously at the at the, the hooker shop, or whatever right. the hell it is, and she's like, he's like, do you want me to kill him? And she doesn't respond. And then he goes and shows up again, and she's getting beat again, and he kills the main guy by literally spoiler alert cutting him in half down the middle and then his body slaps apart on either side so justice has been has prevailed but then out of nowhere she starts getting pissed at him for killing him like why did you kill him right like why would you do this why would you kill him he was like, I was trying to protect you because that's what's right. And she's like, no, why would you kill him? And then she starts beating on him and he cuts her throat by accident. You remember he said he's like I'll beat you now. Yeah, oh, that's right. He did say that. I can beat you now. I understand this. And she was kind of put off by like, so like, what? I thought you didn't want me to get beat. Like, now you're going to beat me? <laughs> no, 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 no. She enjoyed the beating. Did she? Yes. I remember her saying that she didn't like it and she felt like she was going to die. No, no, she, no, that's not what it was. She was upset with him for killing him because I don't know. I don't know what it was. She was addicted to the the, the fucked upness. I guess I, I don't guess. know. I don't know what it was. But that was a theme throughout the whole movie in a way. Right. Is that people were really enjoying the pain, and some of those who wanted to dance around it to be a part of it died. Right. If you enjoy pain, I'll help. I'll. I will be the guy that will help you to die the best way you possibly can. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking <laughs> way too deep into it, but. That's what it seems like to me, guy, girl, anything. Because right. Kakihara is all about the pain, too. Yeah. He likes the pain. He likes to feel tormented, and that's how he thrives and survives through life, is dealing with his master beating the ever-living piss out of him. So much, in fact, that nobody can fulfill that void when he dies. And that's what the whole story is about, is that Kakihara is trying to find someone that can liberate him from feeling good. Like, he needs to be punished for living. Right. I don't know what... It, it's really weird. Like, it is super weird. That's why I'm saying, like, I don't think... And I'm not trying to be distasteful by saying that the girl liked it and it's okay or anything. Like, guys, come on. Really? Like, it's a fucking movie. It's not... This isn't, like, reality, okay? But this is what the story is, okay? 
What else did you have to say? Not much, man. I think we pretty much hit all the bases. Should we slip into our factoids? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned before, Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino are big fans. Actually, Eli had him in Hostel to do a cameo. Takashi Miike. Was that the blowtorch? I don't remember where he was because, like, I forgot that he was in that. It's been a while since I watched Hostel. It's been about three, four years. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, too. I bought the, like, dual copy or whatever with both one and two on it, the unrated versions. Right. Um, but, yeah, he had him in as a cameo, and, and Takashi Miike was, like, glad to do it because Eli's a huge fan. Eli's such a fan that he's actually painted himself up as Kakihara with the, with the, the scars on his face and mouth and shit. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And, like, nobody knew who the fuck he was talking about. Like, even Eli Roth was like, who here likes Ichi the Killer? And he was like, one guy stood up out of that crowd and was like, me, yeah, hell yeah, I love that movie. And nobody else knew what the fuck he was talking about. And he posted the picture of his face, like, Kakihara, and Quentin Tarantino was like, hell yeah, man, that's fucking cool, bro. You know, like, (laughs) you know how he is. Yeah. Oh, man, that's really great. (laughs) Giggity. Giggity. (laughs) (laughs) Not to make fun of Quentin Tarantino, but that's totally what it sounded like. Quentin actually had the um, the girl that we've been talking about who gets beat up and enjoys the pain. She's actually in the movie Kill Bill in the, the hostile prostitute den. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think you're right, Harem. Maybe. I don't know what it was, but yeah. it was like some porn dungeon. Right. Anyway, she's in the movie, and she's like a porn star, I guess. Really? That that girl that acted in the movie, because there's like a lot of... When they were doing the segment about her, it was like... They showed a lot of naked pictures of her, so I'm assuming that she does stuff like that pretty right. freely. There was a scene in the movie that had the... Where they had the guy who was being hung by hooks doing the suspension, and he was tortured by Kakihara. It took them 12 hours of makeup and other preparation, and then they spent 12 more hours shooting the scene. Whoa. So he literally was like hanging 24 there hours. For 24 a fucking, well, at least, you know, 16 hours he was sitting there hanging. Right. So that's crazy, man. That's super, that's dedication, dude. Really? Uh, I mean, fuck. like, think about that for a second. Like, that's, I don't know if it was real suspension or not, but I thought it was pretty cool. It probably wasn't real suspension, but nevertheless, that has to be uncomfortable, even the harness that you have to be in to be hanging like that. And that was a cool scene, too, man. Oh, dude. It was a really brutal. cool scene. I mean, where I live in Tempe, like we know, a lot, I know a lot of people that do suspension, so it's really not that th- that big a thing. Right. In fact, one of my friends who used to go by the name of Danny Danger, she actually pulled a car, a truck, with a full group of people in the bed of the truck with two hooks in her back. Ugh. Across the parking lot. I watched her do it. And she was, uh, she lives in Germany now, but yeah, it was pretty crazy, man. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Like, I, so that stuff is like when I see people being tortured by hooks and stuff like that, I think to myself, oh, they're having a spiritual moment. (laughs) Cause that's what it is for most people. Right. Well, the first time I ever saw something like that was uh, Strangeland. Oh, yeah. They, they kind of made it like that. Another movie that kind of bothered me a little bit with that was American, uh, American Mary. I don't think I ever saw that. That's the chick that was in the movie Freddy vs. Jason. Okay. She was the blonde hair girl that gets, uh, her boyfriend gets folded in half. <laughs> Such a great scene. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, I, that's part of the reason, and then the Soska sisters <clears throat> did that movie, which I totally like that, like I support them, I love I love them for some reason. They just, I don't know, I like their, their style. Like, they write stuff on Twitter that's just like, fuck you, shut up. Not even that. This is not, like, rude. Right. But they just say whatever the hell they want, and I really admire that. 
But yeah, I always get a, a little weirded out by American Mary because of the, the piercings and the the way they, they treat it a little bit is kind of like, oh, come on. You know, like maybe for the general public that, that that would be a big deal. Right. But it really isn't as big a deal to me as it would be for maybe the general public. So maybe I'm being snooty. <laughs> Simmer down now. One of the funny things when the, as a uh, public gimmick sort of thing, they handed out barf bags at the Toronto International Film Festival, at those that were, like, attending the midnight screening of the film. Oh, really? So it was just kind of like... <laughs> Here's a little doggy bag. And by the way, if you've seen this movie, you'll know that Ichi wears a weird suit, and he puts on these, like, fucking uh, sports shoes that are, like, golf shoes almost. Right. And it pops out a razor in the back of his heel that he, that he uses to kill people with and, like, destroy them. And he wears a big... One, like a big yellow glowing one on his back. Well, that's what Ichi means. One. One. The mutilation on the sides of Kakihara's mouth is known as the Glasgow smile. Oh, really? And or a Chelsea smile because it, it was an organized crime in those British cities. Often put they put this wound on their enemies to kind of like warn people, I guess. Actually, when they made this film, Takashi Miike wanted to have Hideo Yamamoto do the entire script in manga form or manga form. But I guess it fell through when Yamamoto felt he could not complete it due uh, to a writer's block of some sort. Wow. So kind of sucks, but, yeah. you know, it's totally understandable from an right. artist's perspective. Anybody that likes to create, sometimes shit happens. But that manga, by the way, that I was just talking about, this whole movie is like a live-action adaptation of the manga titled Koroshia. That's the technical name. I don't own the manga. I have not read it. I did a little bit of research on it just to kind of get a better understanding of it. Do you have any favorite scenes? Actually, let me do my favorite scenes this yeah, time. Yeah, go. you do it first. Because... Um, I mean, obviously, we already talked about the, the, the title sequence right. with the semen, so that's a kind of a big one. I think that whole scene with them hanging by the suspension hooks and then pouring the prawn oil on oh, his back... Dude was brutal oh, dude man, like dude. just thinking about it and the anticipation and care well just the that way kakihara took while he was making literal fucking he was like rolling prawns like shrimp in like batter right and then dumping tempura. it in there tempura and then he was like taking it out and taking special care there was this long anticipation and then he just pours it on his back after he needles him in the face i thought that was a really cool scene but even the, before that, like you said, when he's needling his face and he's just going, like, pushing the needles through his face was just fucking intense. Yeah, it's pretty cool, though. And then he jabs it up through his... Up his... Yeah, his Through chin. the bottom of his chin up into his mouth. Ugh. And I was like, oh, God, man. Like, there's a lot of pain. Like, I was trying to put myself in that position. And I'm like, would I even be cognizant right. during I think I this? I think I would have passed out. Probably, yeah. But I guess these are Yakuza guys, you know, so they're right. a little bit tougher than we are, obviously. Right. Our soft American bellies. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was really fucked up, that scene, just because the way you see the hooks, and it's like it's like a bowl on right. his back. His skin's like forming a bowl. And that right. oil, you imagine that? Oh, God. Yeah, it was pretty intense, dude. Bad, bad, That bad, whole bad. scene was really dragged out there. I love it when he wakes up and he's like, oh, what the fuck? Tempura? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Kakihara? What are you doing? So what other favorite scenes do you have? Uh, or one? This is like a super, super small scene, but it made me laugh. Uh, there is a point where they're chasing this. They've been looking for this one guy. 
to try to find information about what happened to their boss. Right. And they find this guy's hideout. And these there's these two other killers, a part of this movie, that are twins, who catch this guy and kind of chase him around this house till he fucking ends up getting out of the house. And he goes to the back alley, and he just sees Kakihara. Remember, he's, like, watering the plant? And yeah. he's just so, like, whatever. I love that name, by the way, too. Kakihara. Kakihara. So fucking cool. And his character is fucking amazing. Right. Anyway. Sorry. So he's like, he just sitting there, he's just not fucking worried, not fucking stressing out, just playing his days watering plants. <laughs> he's a badass. Yeah. I he's just so <laughs> That was a really funny scene. Like, he's just like, oh, hey, what's up? What's up, guy? <laughs> like, one of the nicest times in the entire movie that he is. Right. I mean, he's just not affected by anything. Exactly. Yeah. He's just walking through life as it happens around right. him. But uh, he gets into a fight with this guy, starts punching him, and he's just taking it because he loves the pain. Right. He's like, can you do better than that? Right. Yeah, he's got, you got to do better than that, buddy. And he has these piercings on the side of his mouth that keep his... Smile. Glasgow. Glasgow, Glasgow. smile. I, I keep fucking it up. Right. Glasgow. I think it's Glasgow. But he takes his piercings out, and the guy swings at him again, and he straight up just eats his hand. Yeah, he shaves off his hand. You see the bones and, and you shit. you see the bones and the inside and the workings, and it's still moving, and it looked fucking fantastic. Right. Did you know that that wasn't his real hand, though? Well, obviously not. No, 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 no not obviously. It looked real. It, it did look real. It looked real. like it was his real hand, but it was actually an animatronic Oh, that they used. And I was watching the scene where they were doing it, and they took a towel, like a small hand towel, and they folded it up into a long cylinder, then stuck both ends into his fingers when he was trying to pull his hand out. And the actor who played Kakihara bit down on the fucking, on the on the loop right? as he was pulling it. So it looked like his arm was like going with his head because they had to have that tension to make it look like he was pulling his hand. And then when he kicks him down... He like he lets go of the the, the towel, towel and then he falls and yeah, but that's like an actual animatronic. I thought it was cool. But that scene was beautiful. It was yeah. funny. It was gory. It was had a little bit of everything in it. it yeah, was that was a cool scene. Another tiny little scene, and I don't know why it's probably like wrong of me to laugh at this scene, but like the two little kids or like three little kids are picking on that one kid, the um, officer. There was a guy in the movie who lost his gun. He, he lost his gun as a police officer and got kicked off the force. Well, that guy had a son. And that son got picked on because his dad lost the gun. So all these other little kids were like, your dad's a piece of shit, you know, like fucking lost his gun. What kind of cop is he? He's a piece of shit. And they were like picking on this kid and like pushing him around. And the Ichi just happens to be standing by. And then one of the bully kids realizes that he's kind of a pushover because Ichi is a guy that literally cries over everything. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which he's like such the weirdest killer that you'll ever find. Right. But he's dealing with some severe emotional problems. But anyway, so the the three bullies, one of the three bullies starts picking on Ichi and like pushing him around and stuff. And then he like attacks Ichi and then Ichi turns around and kicks the kid like really fast. Dude, like a mule kick. Yeah, yeah like he's like. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worse than that. It was like, you ever make that sound that you make when you get the wind knocked the fuck out of you? Right, like, yeah. Just, oh. Yeah, that was. I don't know why I found that really funny. It was funny. I actually kind of giggled. <laughs> There's so many more crazier scenes than that in this movie. Though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my other favorite one is when this girl, who's a part of the crime syndicate, is trying to figure out who Itchy is. Yeah, and 
as soon as she finds out who Itchy is, and she kind of fi- figures out that he's been manipulated by this mob boss to kill all these yakuza's. Right, and then she goes to find him, and then she goes to find him, and he uses the the because he's been hypnotized and implanted memories into his yeah, head where to make he, him essentially he watched a girl get raped by three bullies and did nothing about it and actually got turned on by it in his mind or whatever was implanted right which it's, it really didn't happen but the guy right. made it seem like he did by this girl her name was tachibana that this other guy made up right and then so this other girl who works for the syndicate tries to impress kakihara by pretending to be this rape girl and she's like oh my god it's me, Tachibana. But yeah, so she tricks him into thinking that she's this girl that he watched get raped when he was younger. And um, she goes on about how she wanted to die. and she, she wanted him to rape him. And then she wanted other men to cut her up and cut pieces off of her. And... Yeah, chop, 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 chop. Chop, 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 chop. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> chop, 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 chop. Ooh, this girl, by the way, she speaks like, throughout the whole film, she speaks half English, like perfect English. Right. And then like, Japanese. Yeah. It gets to the point where he's like, all right, I'll kill you. He realizes, yeah, go ahead. So I know you can help. Uh, uh, Basically, he goes, so the girl who was getting beat by her boyfriend wanted to be beat by her boyfriend, and you got raped by all those bullies, and you wanted to be raped by all those bullies. So I get it now. (laughs) Yeah. And then she's like, I'll kill you. And she's like, whoa, no. No! No, 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 I'm not Tachibana. I'm not fucking talking shit. That and shit he, was funny. Oh, yeah, dude. And he, like, puts his special little shoes on. He's getting ready to go to town. And he's smiling, like, yeah. from ear to ear. <laughs> oh, God, it was kind of dark. It was really dark. And then and, he cuts her fucking leg off, dude. And then she's still hopping around. Yeah. It's fucking cool. But, yeah, that was one of my favorites. See, that's, that's, again, it's, like, people who are, like, tourists coming through sadomasochism and not really fully understanding it in right. a way. She got what she deserved. Oh, yeah. I mean... You can't yeah. fuck with someone like that and not expect, especially all the shit that she was saying to him. Right. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Right. <laughs> it's like you're 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 fucking with the Marquis de Sade and teaching and like trying to trick him into stuff. And what do you think is going to happen? Right. Like you're going to get fucked up, lady. <laughs> like you don't fuck with the killer. All right. No. You're not smarter than the killer. No. No. You no. put yourself in a corner and then got killed. <laughs> yep. What was one of your favorite scenes? Uh, the last one that I would like to... I mean, there's a co- so many, but there's a scene where Kakihara, when he did the tempura guy, the, like, tsh, the prawns. Yeah. When he was, like, he was torturing this guy, essentially, to find out information about who killed his boss. Because one of the other guys, the guy that's manipulating Ichi, also manipulated Kakihara into thinking it was somebody else so that it could get him off the trail. And when they found out that it was a lie and he got in trouble and actually tortured this guy for no reason, Kakihara offers up his tongue as payment to the syndicate. And he cuts his tongue off and then hands it to him. Everybody's like fucking tripping out like that he cut his own tongue off. And then he gets on the phone. He's like, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll be there in a little bit. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll check you out in a little bit. Uh-huh. Okay. And then he gets his tongue sewed together. And I love how he's like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, human human body is like regenerates really easily. So it's no big deal. I'll learn to deal with it. Yeah, you know? I'll dab with it. Yeah. I may not be able to taste bitter anymore. Yeah. But it's okay. That's why he cuts his tongue off. He's like, one of my one of my sinful pleasures is to enjoy the sweet things of life. Oh, that's where your sweet S- receptors yeah, are. Yeah, your receptors are. So he cuts that part off for them. Mm. And then they fucking turn their backs on him and kick him out. 
and that's what causes this whole crazy shit, dude. Like, how, why would you want to fuck with a dude like that? I love, I, you know what I also I love is when Kakihara's like, all right, so we've been kicked out of the syndicate. We're no longer part of the Yakuza. Um, so I just want to like, be open with you. And I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Uh, I mean, he's like, I, you know, if anybody of you wants to get out, you know, just let me know now and you'll get out. He's like, we'll just end it right here, you know? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, me, I, I'm out. Yeah, I, I don't want any more into this anymore. So I'm just going to go. And he's like, oh, so you want to quit, huh? And then he stabs a spike into his foot into yeah, a piece so it was of wood. wood. <laughs> and he's like walking around with it like the whole time because he realizes he can't get out. <laughs> It was really good. Yeah, it's 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 got a lot of comedy in it. For all the like crazy, outrageous, fucking disturbing images that you see, it's actually not too bad. No, like I think it was. Uh, I think it's a really good movie. I think it's a definitely good entry point for anybody who's new to Takashi Miike. So if you, those of you who are listening now and are kind of like interested in what we're talking about and how like insanely uh, delicious we're making it sound <laughs> for you, um, check out Gigi the Killer first. And if you like that, spawn off, and he's got over 100 films now. Right. So check out, not all of them are winners, guys. Not all of them are winners, but they are definitely going to do something different in it. Like, some of his movies are, like, fucking sentimental fucking movies. Like, The Bird People of China is super, like, heartfelt fucking entry. And it's, like, really crazy, man. Hmm. Like, it's it's weird. Like, the dialogue that I have in the back of my head when we watch these Asian films makes me just want to do, like, an entire month of, like, Asian cinema. Or, like, I don't know. Like, because I just love it. But I know that there's so many horror fans out there who won't even traipse near it. Really? Like, they don't want anything to do with it. I don't know, man. I think they're missing out. There's a lot of fucking unique styles out there. Especially right. in Japan and Asia and Korea it's a different world. Right. I think that's it for today for the Mike Me Crazy episode. You I hope me crazy. I want to give a big thank you to Brittany Bloodshed for coming on for Monday. Yeah, thank you, Brittany. You're freaking awesome. Dude, uh, we're probably going to have Brittany on and one of our good friends, Jenny, on hopefully some point. Uh, I think Brittany can make that happen. But yeah, it was a huge honor to have you on. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, go check it out right now. The link is below. So check that out. But we will be back next Monday for a brand new episode of Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. If you are interested in anything that we do, please go to our longlivethevoid.com website and check out some of our news section. We got all of our links there. If you're like super cool and you want to be like, hey, you know what? I like what these guys do. I'm going to donate some money to them. We also have a donation button. I don't like asking for it, but I'm just letting you know it's there because if you don't know it's there then how the fuck are you going to know? <laughs> so I'm just letting you know. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming back for Thursday's edition and checking out Mondays. Um, we will be back this Monday with a brand new episode for you guys. Everybody have a good weekend. Thank you so much for coming by, guys. See you then. Episode.